guys have been here over the last several weeks, um, even back before Christmas, um, you guys know that we've been uh, walking through a series where we kind of started back in the book of Matthew, the very end of Matthew, and then we've just kind of been, been walking uh, through the And uh, tonight we're actually going to close this series out, and uh, we're going to talk about a topic tonight that I don't know... Uh, how familiar probably the majority of us sitting in the room really are with, okay? And, and the topic for the night is this, it's, it's suffering, suffering. Now, I, I want to clarify on what I mean by suffering because I do realize a lot of things could be kind of lumped into that word. Like maybe you hear that and you go, hold on, James, you don't think I'm familiar with suffering? Like you don't know what I've grown up around. You don't know what my family's like. You don't know the people I've lost. And, um, and I would sit back and go, Okay, you know, I'll give you that. I could stand up and share those same types of stories about losing loved ones, about seeing people, um, teenagers your age, suffer and die of cancer, um, loved ones being horrifically and and tragically um, murdered. That's in my story, okay? So I get that, okay? But I'm not talking about that kind of suffering. Like, I think that we could all, if we opened up the stage and said, share, you know, some, some stuff from your life, we could all share stories of that kind of suffering. But tonight, the kind of suffering that we're going to focus on and talk about is the kind of suffering that comes into our lives because the name of Jesus is coming off of our lips. Like, the kind of suffering I'm going to talk about tonight is not, man, life stinks, things are rough. It's the kind of suffering that, that goes, I went out and shared Jesus this week, and I got punched in the mouth for it. Like, that kind of suffering. And again, if we're really honest, I don't know how many of us sitting in the room when it comes to that kind of suffering really understand what it's like to suffer. Okay, and, and I just want to kind of bring this, this topic and this perspective back into the room again tonight before we really dive into the text. If, if you remember a few weeks ago, um, when, when we spent time praying for boldness, remember when I talked about boldness? And at the end of the night, I said, hey, before we pray for ourselves, let me read some stories to you of some brothers and sisters, some Christians around the world who could really use our prayers tonight. We prayed for them. Well, I, I just, I pulled some more stories, okay, and I'm going, man, if we're really going to understand what it looks like to suffer for the name of Jesus, then I think it's worth our time tonight to, to hear again how some people around the world, outside of this place that, that some of us only know, how some of them are suffering for the name of Jesus and for the sake of the gospel. Okay, so again, this, this is for perspective. I want you to listen to some of these stories, and basically I just want to read them to you, okay? Um, This is going on right now in Pakistan. In Pakistan, on November the 8th, a lady, her name is Asia, I I I might be saying this name, but we're just going to call her Asia Bibi because that's how it's um, spelled. She, on November 8th, was sentenced to death, okay? She was actually arrested all the way back in June 19th, 2009, and has been sitting in jail since the summer of 09, and just this past November has been sentenced to death. On the Voice of the Martyrs website, they got prayer stuff for this lady all the time. Okay, let me read you her story. It says, Asia was arrested by police on June 19, 2009, and charged with blasphemy after she engaged in religious discussion with co-workers. 
Many of the local women, including Asia, worked on the farm of a Muslim landowner named Muhammad uh, Idris. During their work, many of these Muslim women pressured Asia to renounce Christianity and to accept Islam. Now listen to this. Her family is one of three Christian families in a village of more than 1,500 families. So 1,500 families and 1,497 of them um, don't believe in Jesus. And this is where her and her family is living. It says, on June 19th, there was an intense discussion among the women about their fate. The Muslim women told Asia about Islam, and Asia responded by telling the Muslim women that Christ died on the cross for their sins. She told them, Jesus is alive, and our Christ is the true prophet of God. Upon hearing this response, these women, these Muslim women became angry, and they began to beat Asia. And then some of the men in the village took her and locked her in a room, and then they went to the mosque down the street and got on loudspeakers, and they announced that she would be punished by having her face blackened. They were going to put her on a donkey and parade her through the middle of this village so that she could be put to shame in front of everyone. This is what it means to suffer for Jesus. And two months ago, the courts in Pakistan came back and said, this lady, because she spoke the name of Jesus to women she worked with, was going to be put to death. Uh, Here's another one. This is in Iran. In Iran, right now, there is a group of Christians there that are reporting that their pastor, Pastor Youssef, and I don't know how to say his last name, so we're just not even going to go there. Pastor Youssef has been sentenced to death for what is called, and please don't miss this, okay? He's being sentenced to death for what is called a thought crime. A thought crime. Voice of the Martyr Contacts confirmed that the pastor's trial was held in in recent weeks, and a formal verdict is still being waited on by the court. He's a leader in what they call the Full Gospel Church of Iran. Several of his family members have been imprisoned. The Iranian government has also threatened his wife with life imprisonment and has threatened to take away two of their children who right now are currently being cared for by their relatives. Now let me tell you what he was arrested for. Pastor Youssef was arrested in October 2009 for protesting a decision made by the government requiring that his son should study the Quran in school. So in Iran, you got a dad who the government said part of school is going to be you studying the Quran, and, and the guy stands up and goes, I don't want my son to do that. And now he is arrested, and he is being charged with a crime punishable by death. That's what it looks like to suffer in parts of the world for the name of Jesus. How about another one? Um, again, this is in the Middle East. Two Christian men, and this happened this past July, but their story is still being told there. And I want you to hear it because there's some pretty important things that go along with it. This past July, two Christian men were shot to death as they left a courthouse on Monday, July 19th. Again, July of this past summer. Um, One of the guys' name was Rashid Emanuel, 32 years old, and his brother Saeed, 30 years old. And they were facing blasphemy charges after allegedly distributing papers that, that uh, spoke poorly of the prophet Muhammad. Okay, that's what they were accused of. 
here's the crazy thing. The, the story goes on, it says, according to eyewitnesses, the police that were leading these two Christians out of the courthouse, they were approached by two masked gunmen, and the gunmen looked at the police officers and said, you need to get out of the way so you don't get shot. The police officers move, and these masked gunmen open fire on these Christian men. Now, what's even crazier is this. The murders happen only five days after handwriting experts told police that signatures of the supposed blasphemous papers did not even match the signatures of the two men in question. So you got this guy who's going, no, 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 they didn't write that. And these two gunmen, five days after that's passed down, wait outside of a courthouse, tell cops to get out of the way. Cops move, and they shoot these two Christian men to death. Now, I, I want you to hear this, because this is how unbelievable this is. Voice of the Martyr sources said that Muslims in that area celebrated those men's killings with tea and candy, feeling that the, that the Christians deserved death for disrespecting Islam and Muhammad. And, and one of the, the Voice of the Martyr spokespersons said this. He said, it's very important for Christians in the U.S. to understand the blasphemy laws in the Middle East. These laws are basically a stick. Radical Muslims used to beat our Christian brothers and sisters. Charges are filed on the sketchiest of claims. Christians are locked up, they are tortured, and they are held, sometimes for years, while they wait for justice. And even if exonerated in a court, they wear a target for the rest of their lives. You see, tonight I read those stories and I raise my hand with everybody else I'm speaking of, I'm going, we have no idea what it means to suffer for the name of Jesus. Like, we have no idea. Like, here tonight, Westridge Church, the middle of Dallas, Georgia, worshiping, lifting high the name of Jesus, you're all to us, you're all to us, without fear, without worry, in, in comfort, padded chairs, great sound, lights, awesome worship band, and we're sitting back, and, and we have no clue. And again, I'm lumping myself into this. We have no clue what it really looks like to suffer. Like none of us tonight have got to worry about sitting in jail for our faith. None of us tonight have to, to worry about Jesus. You're all to us. You're all to us. And somebody coming in and arresting us and beating us. None of us have to worry about walking into school tomorrow and saying we're a Christian and being arrested and sitting in jail for two years just to wait for someone to say we need to put you to death. Like, none of us have to worry with that. Like, the closest thing here in the U.S. that we experience when it comes to suffering is this. The closest thing that we know is somebody looking at us after we've shared Jesus or saying we're a Christian, they're going, dude, you're weird. You're, you're weird. Like, you know, the most suffering we face is we tell somebody about Jesus and they go, you're one of those extremists, those weirdos, those intolerant Jesus freak people that I can't stand. Right? Like, that's what it means to suffer for us. Some of us, um, and I was this guy in high school when I finally decided to take a stand for my faith long after I just, you know, didn't care. Um, two of my best buddies go, dude, we're, we're done with you. We're done with you. If you want to chase after Jesus, you want to be that kid, um, we're heading this way, and we don't want anything to do with that. For some of us, that's all the suffering we'll ever face is I lost a couple of friends today because of Jesus. Like, this is what suffering looks like. And, and guys, here's the, the sad thing. 
I would, I would just guess that there are probably still a huge number of us in this room who don't even know what that kind of suffering is like. Who maybe we say we know Jesus, but when it comes down to it, nobody's ever called us weird. Nobody's ever labeled us anything. Nobody's ever said anything bad about us because of Jesus. We've never lost any friends. Like, like some of us don't even know what that kind of suffering life. And, and here's my concern. My concern is, is that the Bible, this book, when you open it up, it teaches that if you follow Jesus... No matter if it's in the United States or if it's across the world in the Middle East, if it's somewhere in the deepest, darkest parts of Africa, like this book promises no matter where you are in the world, if you follow Jesus, you will suffer. It promises that. Like, and, and I'm not talking about the kind of suffering that comes because you're annoying, right? Like some people suffer just because they're annoying. Like don't be that annoying Christian. Like, we want to love people well, and we want to speak, and we, man, we, we don't want to get in arguments with people who's wrong and who's right. Like, we want to love people and share the gospel and let the Holy Spirit work. This book promises if we do that, that no matter where we are in the world, we will suffer. This book tells us that suffering in the life of someone who's following Jesus, it is not an optional thing. And uh, just so that you don't go, James, I don't know if I agree with you. Um, let me read you some verses, okay? These are not going to be on the screens, and I'm about to, to just blast through some verses. So listen, just in case you don't believe me that suffering follows people who are following Jesus. Listen to this. Matthew 5, 10 through 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. They persecuted the prophets that were before you as well. John 15, if the world hates you, know that it's hated me before it's hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, I chose you out of the world, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master, and if they persecuted me, they're also going to persecute you. If they kept my word, they'll keep yours. Acts 14, when they, speaking of, of followers of Jesus, when they preached the gospel in that city and they made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, to Iconium, to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Listen to Romans 8. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? As it is written, we are for your sake being killed all the day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither life nor death, angels, rulers, things present, things to come, powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 2 Corinthians 4. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed. We are perplexed but not driven to despair. We are persecuted but not forsaken. Struck down but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body of death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may also be made manifested in mortal flesh. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, for the sake of Christ, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, I am strong. 2 Timothy 3, this is about as clear as it gets. 
all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I don't know any other way to, to read that verse, right? That's about as clear as it gets. It says, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial. And this is 1 Peter 4. Don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. I mean, Peter's going, when you suffer for the name of Jesus, don't look at it and go, oh my gosh, what's going on? Like Peter's going, dude, this is coming after you. If you're chasing him, suffering, hardship, persecution, it's going to follow you. He goes, so when it comes, don't act like something weird's going on. He said, but rejoice. Rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted for the name of Jesus, listen to this, you're blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. And the last one I'll read is Philippians 1.29 that says this, it has been granted to you. It has been granted to you. Do you understand what that means? Like it's been granted to you. God has given you as a gift is what this means. It has been granted to you to not only believe on the name of Christ, but also to suffer for him. Listen, I could go on and on and on and on and on tonight. I mean, I could read literally, okay, literally, I could read passages of Scripture from all 66 books in the Bible and show you that believers in Jesus Christ will suffer. I could go on and on, but here's what I think that we have to assume tonight, okay? If you're here and you say you know Jesus and you have no idea what it's like to suffer for his name, like, if you have no idea, even for, dude, you're weird, bro. Like, man, we love you, but you are a weirdo Jesus freak kid, right? Like, that, you're just strange. Like, if you have no idea what that's like, here's the assumption that I'm going to make. I would assume that probably, probably, probably when it comes to living your life on a daily basis, in your workplace, in your school, around your family, I would just assume that you're probably not speaking up about the name of Jesus too often. And maybe for some of us, we don't know what that's like because we're not living our lives to reflect that we're believers in the one who came to save us. Because the Bible promises, if we follow him, we will suffer. Now, here, here let's do this. Um, and we'll spend the next few minutes in, in Acts 5 before we close. Let, let's open your Bibles to Acts 5. And I want to show you why I believe that this is a safe assumption tonight. In Acts chapter 5, and I'll get us caught up really quickly. In Acts chapter 5, we find um, a story of the apostles of Jesus suffering yet again. Okay, Remember Matthew 28, Jesus has died, he's risen again, he comes to his disciples and he goes, okay, I'm sending you out, go into all the world, make disciples, baptize people, teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. And so we jump into the book of Acts, Jesus ascends into heaven, he sends his Holy Spirit to empower his disciples to go be his witnesses throughout the world. And so, man, day in and day out, man, they're just going out and preaching the gospel. They're going out, they're healing people, they're performing signs, they're performing wonders. And people in like droves, by the thousands, are believing in Jesus Christ as their Savior and as their Lord. 
Now, in, in chapter 5, we find the story again of the apostles, Peter and John, the rest of the apostles, because the, the Jewish leaders at this time, the religious leaders this day, they hate what's going on because of this name of Jesus. What they do is they arrest these guys. Now, if you remember, um, Peter and John have already been arrested once. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Well, now they're being arrested again. And it's not just those two guys. They're being arrested with all the rest of the apostles, all because they keep going out and they keep talking about Jesus. Okay, so here's how the story looks different from the last time we talked. The, the, the officers bring these guys in, throw them in a jail cell in the middle of the night. The Bible says an angel of the Lord comes and busts them out of prison. I mean, that's a pretty rad story, right? Like the Lord, like, dude, that ain't happening, man. Jailbreak time, right? Angel of the Lord, you go down, you get my boys out of there. Now, the interesting thing is the next morning, the next morning, when the officers came back to, like, bring the guys out who had been arrested, all the apostles, it's crazy because they walked past guards, they walked through doors. They, there were people there all night. So I don't know if this was like vanishing act, like angel of the Lord. We're going to do a little Star Trek action, right? Take the teleporter. Let's get the dudes out of there. But, but the guys are out. The guys are out of jail. And this angel of the Lord that was sent to get them out of jail told them like, okay, listen, go to the temple and you speak. You speak to the people there of all that's going on. You speak about Jesus. You tell them everything that's happening. Give them the words of, of life. And so the next morning, these guys come and they find them. They're like, okay, they are not here. As you might imagine, they are freaking out. They run back. They tell the high priest and all of his boys, like, the guys aren't there. The guys aren't there. We don't know what's happened. Like, nobody saw them leave. We don't know where they are. And then somebody comes up in the middle of their conversation and is like, hey, um, your, your boys... They're over in the temple. Like, they've been teaching and preaching Jesus since the sun came up. And so the high priest sends the officers. They go, okay, you need to go get those guys. Bring them back. So the officers go. They arrest them again gently this time because they feared if they did it in front of everybody, they'd be killed. So they take these guys. They bring them back in before the high priest. And I want us to read these verses together, starting in verse 27. Here's what the high priest has to say. It says, when they brought them, the officers, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them. And he said to them, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name. So basically, this guy's just reminding him. It's like, this point he gets to, he goes, Have, haven't we told you a million times? Quit talking about him. Will you quit saying the name of Jesus? Quit telling people that he died and that he rose from the grave. We charged you strictly to quit teaching in his name. Yet here you are again. You filled all of Jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. I mean, the guy's going, listen, you, you're telling everybody that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, the savior of the world, the Messiah. And we told you not to talk about him anymore. And you're out telling everybody out there that we're the ones that killed him. And then Peter speaks up in the next verse. And I love what he says. He says, here's the issue. He said, we must obey God rather than men. We've got to obey him, not you. It's the picture. Yeah, I know you told us to quit preaching Jesus. But the problem with that is that he told us to preach Jesus. So I, I know you hate it, bro, and, I'm, and I hate it for you, but he said we should. I know you're saying we're not. We're going to listen to him and not you. Okay, cool. And then Peter goes on and he says, listen, the God of our fathers raised 
Jesus who you killed by hanging him on a tree? And then God exalted him at his right hand as leader and a savior to give repentance to Israel and the forgiveness of sins. And all of us here, we're witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit who God has given to those who obey him. Now, as you might imagine, the high priest and his guys hear this response. And the Bible goes, they became so angry, like they were so filled with rage that all they wanted to do was kill these guys. I mean, they literally looked at each other and went, okay, that's, that's, okay, get out the swords, we're cutting heads off right now. Let's cut head, or our head cutting off party is about to happen. And then one of the rabbis, okay, one of the rabbis, his name was Gamaliel, stood up in the middle of this council and went, wait, 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 I don't know if that's such a good idea. Now, now Gamaliel, if you don't know him, if you don't know him, if you don't know the story, he was like leading Jewish rabbi of his day, okay? People respected him highly. He was actually Paul, the apostle Paul's teacher. He was the rabbi who Paul followed. So he had some serious pull, some serious influence. And Gamaliel stands up, and, and basically what he says is this. He goes, okay, listen, don't kill him, okay? They've got a lot of followers. You kill him, this thing could get ugly. And then he goes... Let's just trust that if this thing's not of God, that it's just going to fall apart. Like, let's just trust God enough that if these guys are rebels, if these guys are idiots, if they're blasphemers, that they're going to go out and they're going to do this thing for so long, and then they're going to die one day, all their followers are going to scatter, and this thing's just going to go to nothing. And so the council goes, okay, we can live with that, but before we let them go, bring them in here, we're going to beat them, tell them again to quit preaching the name of Jesus, and then we'll let them go. So that's exactly what they did. They brought all the apostles in, and and the beatings that they handed out to, to men and women back in the day that were accused of blasphemy... What they did is this, they brought them in, they stripped them of their clothing, and they took this, this tool, it was a whip, okay, and it had a handle on it, three leather straps coming out, and they would literally take that whip and hit the back of a person twice, and then they would make the person roll over, and then they would hit them across the chest once. Okay, they would do this a total of 13 times, so by the end of it, you had been hit with this whip 39 times, two across the back, one across the chest, and this is the beating that the apostles got, and then they told them, quit preaching in the name of Jesus. Now, here's the interesting thing, and then I'm going to bring us into it, and we're going to close. L- look back down at verses 41 through 42. It- it's going to be up here too if you don't have it. After all this, the Bible says that the apostles left the presence of the council doing what? Doing what? Throwing a pity party? Poor us? God, how could you? Look at all we've been doing. No, no, no. The Bible says that the apostles left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. It's like they walked out looking at each other going, dude, can you believe that? How amazing. Dude, we just got beat for the name of Jesus. How incredible was that? Yeah, mine stings too. Don't worry, we'll rub some Neosporin on it later. But dude, we just got to suffer for the name of Jesus. It's unbelievable. And then the Bible says this, that every day 
in the temple and from house to house. They did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. Like you couldn't torture these people enough. You couldn't beat them enough. You couldn't put them in jail enough. They just couldn't shut up about the one who'd saved them from their sins. They couldn't shut up about the Jesus who had rescued them from death and given them eternal life. And when suffering came, they didn't sit back. They didn't throw pity parties. They didn't look at each other and go, maybe we should just shut up. I mean, they saw these times as opportunities to make Jesus more real to the world around them than he'd ever been before. Like when it came to suffering, these disciples and apostles saw these opportunities to, to just bring more attention to the name of Jesus. And so it left them rejoicing. See, we just have to suffer for his name. Like his name was just made great because of what happened to us. But I, I want to ask you, if this is how you feel about him tonight. Like I wonder how many of us tonight sitting in this place right now would say, man, that's how I feel about Jesus. Like he rescued me. He saved me from my sins. He gave me eternal life. He put his Holy Spirit inside of me. Everything is different now, and I just can't shut up about him. Like, man, he's everything to me. And if I've got to suffer for his name, like if speaking the name of Jesus means I lose friends, I'm okay with that. Like if speaking the name of Jesus means that people talk bad about me, bring it on. If speaking the name of Jesus means I'm labeled as some kind of weirdo, intolerant Jesus freak, I'm okay with that. Like if speaking the name of Jesus means somebody knocks some of my teeth out, I will rejoice because I have just been counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of the one that I love. Like he's everything to me. And I wonder, do you feel this way about him Tonight, can I tell you my biggest concern for the church today, here in America? And maybe you think, James, you're weird. I, I don't know if I believe that. But here's what I believe, okay? You can say it with a grain of salt. I really believe that if we suffered here like other people suffer around the world, the majority of us would be out. Like, I don't, I don't know that we would be the land of megachurches anymore. Like, if our country imploded on itself... Religious freedom thrown out the window. And now we lived in a land where you speak the name of Jesus, you are arrested. You speak the name of Jesus, you are beaten. You speak the name of Jesus, we'll let you sit in jail for a while until we decide to kill you. Um, I, I think a lot of people would be out. I think a lot of people would go, I don't know if I want to sign up for that. Like if I had to get up here tonight and say, okay, come to Jesus, give your life to him, and your family might hate you. If I said tonight, if you don't know Jesus, get publicly baptized, and you could have your head cut off. How many of us would stand up and go, dude, yes, I want that. I'm willing to risk my life for him, because look what he did for me. Look what he did for me. Like you can't, I was dead in my sin and God came to save me. Yeah, I'll give him everything. If it means I lose my life tonight, he can have, like, what's the problem? Like I get to see him then. Like if I live, it'll be about him. If I die, it's gain because I'll just go and, I, and I'll be with him. Like I wonder if I put on Facebook this afternoon, like come to Reckless tonight. You could leave um, in a cop car. 
You see, I just think our crowd would probably have been much smaller. I mean, I would pray not. Like, I would hope all of us would still show up. But I'm just going, I don't know. There's a part of me that believes that, that a lot of us would just be out. Regardless of what kind of suffering we have to face because of where we live in the world, the, the problem with being scared of that suffering and being unwilling to speak the name of Jesus because we don't want to suffer, that the problem with that is, is this. It means that you're not following him. And, and the bigger problem that I see is it might mean for some of us in the room tonight that we just don't know him just don't know him, that we've never given him our lives. We've never looked at Jesus as, as the most valuable treasure that we could surrender our affections and our attention to. And so tonight, um, I just want to give you that opportunity. If you don't know him, I pray you come to know him tonight. And praise God. Listen, I don't, I, okay, the U.S. 4.2 or 4.6 percent of the world's population 4.6, we're a small speck on the radar when it comes to the world. Have you ever thought about God let you be born here, right? Like you didn't decide to be born here. He put you here. And you see, I, I think that we have a huge opportunity being in a place where we can speak the name of Jesus so freely to truly go out of this place week after week and to make disciples. Like we have more reason to be more bold about our faith than anybody in the world. So, man, I, I pray for those of you that don't know him, that you come to know him. And I pray for those of us that do know him, that we would see what a blessing it is to be in a place where we can lift up the name of Jesus without fear of suffering like brothers and sisters around the world. So, man, I told you there's 23,000 students outside the walls of this church that need to hear the name of Jesus and what he's done for them. And it's your job, not my job, your job to take that to them no matter what it costs you. Let me, let me pray for us tonight. With, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, um, man, if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus, like if you've never trusted in, in the truth of what he's done for you, like if you've never come to a place where you've trusted in the cross, the amazing truth that when we were enemies of God, when we were dead in our sins, when we deserved the punishment of God, that God sent His one and only Son, Jesus, into this world to give His life on a cross, to pay for our sins, so that we could know God, so that we could enjoy a relationship with God, that one day after this life is over, if we trust in His name and His work on the cross, that we will stand face to face with Him and will spend eternity in His presence. Like if you've never come to a place where you've trusted in Him as your Lord and as your Savior, the Bible says if you'll repent and you'll confess Him and you'll believe in your heart that He died for your sins and that God raised Him from the grave, that you'll be saved. There's no magic prayer, but, but maybe tonight you could say something like this to the Lord. Maybe you could say, okay, tonight... God, I believe what you've done for me. God, I believe that you sent Jesus here to die on a cross.
to pay for my sins, to purchase my freedom. And God, I'm done doing life my way. God, I want to chase after you. I want to pursue you. I want to live the life that you have called me and created me to live. And so, God, I trust in Jesus. I ask you to save me. And, God, I pray right now, put your Holy Spirit inside of me, God, so that I can have the power and the ability to follow after Jesus with everything that I am. prayed that or just said something like that to the Lord, I just want to encourage you tonight when we get to groups, would you just share that with your small group leader? Just let them know you did that. For the rest of us, man, you can sing. I don't don't care. You can pray. I I just hope that we can leave tonight really with that heart that goes, I don't care what it costs me. I will speak your name. I don't care if I have to suffer. I don't care what I have to lose. I don't care what people call me. Jesus is everything to me. And I want the people that I walk the hallways of my school with every single day to know him like I know him. I want my family to know him like I know him. I want my closest friends to know him like I know him. And so, man, I'll take a risk. I might lose them. But man, if I don't speak his name, if I don't tell him what he's done, I could lose him for eternity. So man, I, I will speak his name in love and tell the world what he's done. God, would you make us bold? Give us courage. Help us to be those students, God, that rejoice in Jesus no matter what life brings. God, may we fix our eyes and our hearts on the cross and that be enough for us. God, help us to see Jesus as our greatest treasure in this life. God, and if our lives are over tonight, tomorrow, this week, I pray we meet you face to face as sons and daughters who are madly in love with you. God, give us that heart. Give us that desire. We love you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus.